0: We are not raised to share. We are not raised to be truthful about our authentic experience because often if we share our authentic experience, it's very inconvenient to society.
1: Welcome to the Get Clear with Crystal Ware podcast, the place where we get clear on our goals, own our worth, and learn to be the CEOs of our own lives. I'm your host, Crystal Ware, lawyer and former Fortune 500 corporate leader, who found the confidence to say goodbye to a lucrative career and start my own business. Now I'm opening up the playbook and sharing everything I've learned to get you there faster. It may not be easy, but it will always be worth it because you are made for more. So put on your big girl pants, jump on board, and let's reach for the stars. Are you ready to get clear? Today on the show, we have a really fun and exciting guest who I've been waiting to talk to on the podcast for some time now. So thank (laughs) you and welcome, Kelsey Foremost. (sighs) Woohoo! Thrilled to be here. Yes. Kelsey is the founder of Magic Words Copywriting, an award-winning marketing expert who teaches entrepreneurs how to write words that sell without actually sounding salesy. She's been featured in many publications, including Business Insider, Refinery29, and Glamour, and has spoken at some of the top marketing conferences in the country, like Inbound and South by Southwest, which is near and dear to us here in Texas. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Her courses and templates have helped thousands of entrepreneurs learn to write their own high-converting copy But Kelsey's real mission is to help people find their true voice so they feel deeply seen, heard, and empowered every time they need to talk about their business. And also, yes, make more money in the process. And that is how I got connected to Kelsey myself. I heard her on (laughs) another podcast and thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. She has so many insights, immediately jumped on her website, got one of the courses, and then started harassing her (laughs) by email (laughs) and saying, when can we talk and connect too? Because you have so many interesting things to share, not just about writing and sales and marketing, um, but also your story, which is really what I love bringing to the audience is seeing how you can live out in a life that you love, create a career that you love, that aligns with the kind of person you want to be. So with that in mind, tell us, about where you started, like give us the whole early spill. what you started in college and how you got to be where you are today.
0: Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for that intro. It's always so fun to hear other people kind of sum up who you are in a nutshell and be like, oh yeah, wow, I did do that. Oh yeah, I did speak there. And damn, yeah, I was featured there. It's so cool. I feel like I wish that for everyone. I wish for everyone that they get to hear their accomplishments on a more regular basis because, and then we'll get to my story, but I feel like the the opportunity for us to celebrate our past wins are few and far between. And so I encourage everybody if you're a small business owner, an entrepreneur, wherever you find yourself in life, like take some time to actually go back and remind yourself of the things that you've made, the things that you've done, the the wins that you've had. I just, that felt so good. And I just wanted to call that out before I jumped yeah. in. In our pre-discussion, we were talking about Netflix shows
1: and that is kind of really interesting what you just said, Kelsey, because it made me think I started watching uh, Queen Charlotte, A Bridgerton Story. And it made me think (laughs) about how we're introduced, right? In the royal times, people with titles were introduced by their long-tenured title all about what they are. so true. So maybe we need to ask our friends and family to sometimes like, give an introduction. If you had to introduce me
0: to other people, what would you say? How would you describe me to other people? (laughs) You know, that's so funny. That was actually, and this is a perfect segue into my story. That was something that we used to do in the business of acting. I had a really amazing class back when I lived in New York city. So we'll catch you up everybody. So I started out as an actress, a professional actress and a screenwriter. So I went to school for theater, I worked with the Royal Shakespeare Company over in Edinburgh, Scotland. I moved to New York after I graduated and I did off-Broadway shows and I did um like a lot of theater and a lot of acting and fell in with a like comedy group where we started doing more film. I ended up then moving to Los Angeles and having a on paper very successful acting career. I was in TV shows like Modern Family, New Girl. I was in a movie with Zac Efron, like I was quote unquote living the dream. And we'll get to why Uh, That dream wasn't enough for me, but I want to talk about this class that I took when I lived in New York and this was sort of the beginnings of the, the acting industry, Hollywood, was really coming online. This was in like 2010, 2011. And we were starting to send in what's called self-tapes, meaning you would film yourself at home with your little camcorder. We didn't even have the ability to do it on a phone yet. Um, with your camcorder or your digital camera from Best Buy, <laughs> you would film yourself <laughs> and then send, you would upload the film to YouTube with a private link and send that to casting directors. So it was a very, very new idea of how do you present yourself digitally versus you just have a headshot and your agent is the one who like sells you to the casting directors. So I took this class and it was the business of acting. And I wish I remembered who taught it, but one of the exercises, it was so awesome. Um, It was, they just gave you this huge list of like 200 adjectives and they said, pick five people who you feel like know you pretty well and send this list to them. Not like to your parents or people who love you too much because they're going to be really nice, but like five people who you think, you know, know you pretty well and who have like an impression of you and tell them to pick five adjectives from this list of like 150, 200 adjectives, see how you come across to other people before you decide how to market yourself. Because sometimes we have a sort of warped idea or we have imposter syndrome and we might not think of ourselves as really intelligent, but to other people, they think we're one of the smartest people they know. Um, We tend to be very hard on ourselves. It's called negativity bias for the uh, psychology Mm -hmm. nerds in, in the room. And it was such a great exercise because you know that you are a aligned brand, meaning you are aligned with who you are, how you are in real life. If those five people have similar adjectives that they come back to you with, if all five people have totally different views of how to describe you, then that's a cue of like, okay, I need to refine and figure out how am I, how do I want to be presented? What is the most authentic way for me to show up? What is the most me? Um, and the reason for that in acting was it was much easier to get seen in the room for roles that were really close to who you were before you started getting like big mm-hmm. complicated jobs where you had to really take a big leap, right? Like, I wasn't going to go play a drug addict right out of the gate. I look like a Disney princess, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> you definitely so, do. Oh, shucks. Thanks, ditto. So, point being, That exercise actually really applies to small businesses, to social media, to building a personal brand. You could do the same exercise. You don't even have to have the big list. You could just send a DM to three to five people or, you know, talk to three to five business besties or talk to three to five friends and say, what are the five feelings that you get from my website, from my social? Like, do you feel warm and invited and, and like, is it funny? Is it, or is it like a kick in the ass? Is, are, am I a cheerleader? Am I a cheerleader? Am I a therapist? Like there are ways that you can use that exercise. See how other people say that you make them feel to inform how you build a personal brand. Yeah, that's amazing.
1: And I do think that that, I mean, I'm sitting here scrawling notes quickly uh, so I can remind <laughs> myself where in the tape this is. Because I think this is really clever for people to use no matter where you are. I mean, honestly, I think this applies to people, even if you are an employee and think about the qualities that you have and how you want to brand yourself within your company and within your um, hierarchy and how do you sell your uh, request for a raise or a promotion or I'm talking about the year-end review. These are things that are really practical and can be useful for everybody. So I I think it's amazing that you took that from your acting class and then you can see how that translates over into the business sphere as well. Yeah. Great for resume writing too, to your point. Absolutely. So do you remember off the top of your head what other people were saying when it came to you? What were the words?
0: Uh, Warm was a big one. like, friendly, uh, inclusive, like, very, very much, like, inviting you in and, like, helping you out, Um, which is exactly what you have in real life. (laughs) Like, I'm not, I'm never going to be, like, a hustle, you know, like... you you gotta check off these 10 things off the list or you're, I'm never gonna be like that. I'm very much gonna be like, great, let's talk about our feelings and let's like figure out the one or two things that are really gonna move the needle for you. And like uh, very much like best friend energy who happens to know some business stuff, the person you call for advice, that's what I got a lot. And that's who I am. And that's who I am to this day whether it's my branding or my real life. (laughs) Yes, and I have been lucky enough to take um,
1: some of the personality testing that are out there that businesses use. And that's one of the ones on the disc profiling that you can do where you look at through the series of questions, what is the persona that you have? How do people, other people view you? And how do you think that other people view you? And when your curve is similar on all three spectrums, It means that you have a good awareness of how you come across to others and how you want to portray yourself to others. Um, And then when you see big jumps, it means there's a little bit of a disconnect. That doesn't always mean there's a problem. You just need to be aware of it so that you can then, you know, mold out your um, dialogue and um, persona and brand, your personal branding to people um, the way that makes the most sense. So, you worked on this and you did all this acting. So what, you know, you by and large, um, and I think you own it and and mentioned it, you had a level of success that many people don't ever see. Um, so what made you feel like you needed to, to pivot? And at what point in your career did you do that and start moving into a more marketing focused
0: um, area? This is a great question because it doesn't matter what, the career is, I think everyone has experienced that feeling of, oh, is this really it? Like, is this really as good as it's going to get? Like, I don't know, man. So to answer your question, I had been in the acting profession for 10 years. So I graduated in 2009 and around 2018, I was really starting to feel like It wasn't just, um, it wasn't the acting itself. It was the business of acting. It was the lifestyle of having to hustle for auditions and network. And, and, um, I mean, we all know the, the tropes about Hollywood are true. It's a very difficult life to lead. It is not easy. It is not for the faint of heart, faint of confidence or the faint of wallet. Um, and it's expensive. It's an expensive place to live. I didn't particularly like Los Angeles. I never really felt like I was home there. Ditto with New York. New York has a unique magic to it, but I was like, I don't want to like grow old and retire here. And it just started this slow drip of like admitting that I wasn't happy with certain aspects of that life until the scale tipped and I was like, "Oh, I actually am just not happy with my life at all. Like this is not what I want to, this is not how I want to spend my time. So what I did was I started to think about, okay, what was it about about acting? What was it about that original career that I loved in the first place so that I can invite that back into my life in a new way? And a lot of watching of TED Talks, a lot of crying on the bathroom floor, you know, shout out Brene Brown for getting me through that time. Um, It really nailed, what it boiled down to was I loved making people feel seen through storytelling, because here's some nerdy psychology for you. The human brain remembers story more than anything else. If we say like, oh, I need a cup of coffee versus my hands were shaky and I decided I wanted to walk to my favorite coffee shop and order an oat milk latte and really treat myself because I'd had a hard week. We're going to remember that versus Kelsey went to get a cup of coffee, right? If we tell a story in a way that evokes emotion from people, people remember us. People feel like they connect with us. They see us because we are sharing an emotion. That's what the best TV does. That's what the best movies do. That's what the best scripts do, the best books. And what I found was I actually liked doing it with people's real lives, and especially women, because in that time where i was really transitioning women were really starting to show up online in business because honestly traditional business has never been very kind to women and so now that this online business marketplace was really starting to flourish again this is like 2018 so we're getting the digital course academies and the b schools and the like the big online programs, the Mel Robbinses, the Amy Porterfields, the Gabby Bernsteins. And now all of these women are coming together and lifting each other up. This rising tide lifts all boats. And I was like, damn, I want to be part of that. I want to help the people who are building something, who are creating something that helps the world. I want to help them be seen. I want to help them be heard. And I want to help them feel empowered instead of nervous. When somebody asks them, "So what do you do?" <laughs> Which is the worst question in the world? <laughs> yes, I. Lo- I mean, I.
1: I really love that because it is really important. And one of the questions, or one of the notes I wrote down to myself, you know, when we first uh, hit record and we're talking because it's like you know we're jamming right into all of the amazing details and data that you have uh, to share with us is you know why is it so hard for women to sell themselves? And I think that's what you kind of were able to pick up on and what you wanted to really work on is how can we get those stories out there? How can we celebrate ourselves? How can we celebrate our victories? And what I have also noticed, um, and I talk about this a lot with people in my everyday life, in political settings, on the podcast, I'm not shy away from saying stuff that may, you know, Not jive with other people, but I really don't think that a man is sitting up there in the ivory tower saying, Hey, Kelsey, I'm going to pay you 25% less. I think that we have a problem in posturing ourselves and our value. Why do you think it's so hard for women to sell themselves?
0: Because we've been raised to be good girls, because we've been raised to be accommodating, because we have been raised to be attractive. Because we have been raised to be wanted versus being raised to want. We are not raised to share. We are not raised to be truthful about our authentic experience. Because often, if we share our authentic experience, it's very inconvenient to society. And uncomfortable. And it makes people uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Yeah. And it and you know, to to soften that a bit is it's not like as you said it's not on purpose that our parents are raising us like this it's what we've learned it's getting better right and the internet really helps because it's giving us this place where we can be a little bit more honest and a little bit more brave and find people much more easily who share our experience but like no it, it, it's been ingrained In women, that it's not polite to talk about money, or it's not polite to talk about, you know, power, or it's not polite to talk politics or policy. The word polite really gets me because, like, you can be so kind without being quote unquote polite, right? I went to school in the South and I remember somebody telling me, before you go, Kelsey, know that there is a difference between being kind and being nice. And in the South, you're going to get a lot of people who are nice without being kind. Yes. And I never forgot that. I never forgot that. And it's so true. And I think that speaks to your point. Like, we are raised to be nice. <laughs> Yeah. And it's...
1: Instead of kind. And and <laughs> and it's totally true that like, you know, talking about money um, and actually I'm working on like a keynote, an article and other themes around this, around, you know, mm. the money issues with women, because I do think that that holds us back to such a large degree. And I yeah. want to change that. If I can help people dig in and find their value and understand their value, own it, scream it from the rooftops, ask for it, make sure that you're getting it. That is what my mission is. I really believe in that. Um, but I think that's really difficult for women. Do you think it's also, um, you know, that the first job that we had as women was to be, you know, home makers, caretakers, mm-hmm. children, bearers, children, raisers, and that somehow there wasn't an easy way to put a monetary value on that too. So it kind of it, it it kind of starts us off at the position of, what is your value? There is not a number you can put to that. So then if those natural things that we were born into have no value, then what is the value everywhere else that we're going and everything else that we're
0: doing? Yeah. Well, and to add a layer onto that... this this is going to, this is a wild metaphor. So just bear with me, but it's like, if that's the job, if wife, mom, homemaker is the job, then dating is the job interview. Right. So if that's the job that we're trying to get, we are then told that our value lies in how attractive we are Mm -hmm. romantically Mm -hmm. and how like accommodating we can be to build the this environment right um and like it's oh this is I feel really uncomfortable saying this but like when we hear the phrase married for money what do we think of when we hear the phrase sugar daddy Mm -hmm. it's you know like there are (laughs) money is power but but also like Oh man, this is such a complex, I feel like I could give a dissertation on this, but it's like, if, if that is how women, bef- you know, traditionally have gotten money is by marrying someone mm-hmm. with money, then it makes sense that we have sort of put ourselves in this box and we literally follow the rules to like, to get promoted from yes. girlfriend to fiance to wife to mom. Right. Like, that's been the career track. Yeah. So we just need a new career track. Yeah. Well, and it's so funny. It just
1: That just really made me think about this thing. Um, I may have even told my husband about this at one time because I think it's so funny. You say that. And I remember when I was in law school and I, you know, I always did want to have kids and get married, but I didn't... <laughs> I used to tell my parents, I would just adopt a kid. This was before adopting was in vogue, but I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily have to have a husband to get a baby. I'll just adopt one, you know? It didn't really have to be in that order. I guess I always had an outside the box, um, you know, mindset. Um, But I remember in law school, which I definitely was not like, hunting for a husband. Okay. I was hunting for my career. <laughs> that's what I was right, doing right. for myself. And I went on this date with this guy that was already a practicing lawyer at a really great law firm. I mean, who knows how much he was making. To me, he was like a bazillionaire probably. And right. I remember on the date, he was asking me all these questions. And when you say it was a job interview, that's what it felt like, Kelsey. I remember yes. this guy was looking for a wife and it made yeah. me, I thought the guy was a nice guy, but it made me so uncomfortable that I was like, this is our first date, man. You are clearly <laughs> trying to figure out what kind of wife and what kind of mom I'm gonna be. And I'm in law school and all I'm thinking about is I wanna make money. I wanna have a job. I wanna be powerful.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes. But God, it it is. And, so
1: it's such a good point. It was so weird. It did feel like a job interview. And that is <laughs> I think that yeah. happened to me a second time too with one of my old high school friends that I reconnected with. And I remember we were having this conversation because he had broken up with his fiance and he started asking me all these questions. And I was like, whoa, I know where you're going. I'm not, I'm not here for that, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is. Well, it, and I that's the light. I mean, it, it isn't. I mean, we are in a modern time, but it's so interesting
0: that you say that. I just, you know, hadn't I had not thought about that perspective. <laughs> And I also want to be very clear that I'm not saying that being a wife or being a mom is not a valuable profession, not a valuable calling. It absolutely is. It is in fact the hardest job in the world. like, I don't have kids and I have waited because honestly, as my friends have had kids and as people have gotten more honest about what it's like to have kids, it's made me pause and be like, okay, well, that's the hardest job in the world. Like... Do I want the hardest job in the world? I don't know yet. Like, I I don't know anymore. So I want to be very clear. Like, it doesn't matter how much the counterpart is making. The primary parent, especially for young children, is absolutely the, (laughs) the major earner because it's the most valuable, hardest, taxing job not just with money, but like with your energy and your time and your, it's, it's so much. So I want to be very clear that I do not want to rain on anyone's parade. If that's what, if wife and mom, you know,
1: no, absolutely not. No. And, and people shouldn't take that way, that way at all. I mean, it is. And I think that's where we, we could start with the value transition is in some way, you know, really holding it out there of what, does this cost? The opportunity cost of staying home, the opportunity cost of being creative and spending your time in other areas and what it would cost to have childcare and what it would cost to have somebody making food and cleaning the house regularly. Um, I mean, surely I know a lot of people that stay at home and they also have house cleaners, but you're not, it, it's not the same when you, <laughs> believe me, Yeah, believe me, I have somebody that helps me with my house. I am still picking up stuff literally five times a day. Okay. And yeah. so what is the value of that? And I think that we need to talk about that and people need to value that more um, because if your choice is to stay at home, if your choice is to raise your family on a full-time basis, um, there is a huge value in that. And I am, a big proponent of people making that choice, whether it is to give up a, you know, um, if you're a doctor, a lawyer, anything else that took years and years and years of training, if you give that up um, because your heart is in raising your family, I commend that. I think it takes a lot of bravery to do that. But there, it, it costs a lot also. And I think when we position women from the base level of, you know, All of those areas that you are working in and on on a daily basis as a wife, as a mother, as a caretaker, you know, of aging parents or whatever else, that has a lot of value as well. Um, But it it is weird to think about historically where we've come from, how things have progressed, and we need to be conscious of that and talk about that so that we can start shifting our mindsets, us as women, in our own value, but also helping other people see it, you know? It's just a new way to look at things. And when we do that, you know, I I always have to come back to the, you know, it's the annual review, right? You have to help people Mm. see your value. Um, Sometimes we would love in a perfect world for people to look at you and say, these are all the wonderful things about you. This is why you're valued in life and family and career. But in reality, we have to help people see we have to give them the keys. And I think that's where you really shine in helping people bring out their stories, talk about it, um, building a personal brand, marketing yourself, whether it's you, a product, you know, um, a writing, um, a book or whatever it is. Um, so let's turn back to that and how y- you told us your purpose, but how did you actually shift into this career?
0: Great question. So I, when I did all of that TED Talk, Dark Night of the Soul stuff, and I figured out that the through line was that what I really wanted was to help people tell their stories and help people feel deeply seen and heard on an individual level. And if the cherry on top was I could empower women to make their own money and start to feel like they were themselves again or contributing or creative then that was like the best feeling in the world it was like emotional heroin i freaking loved it and i had a friend who was a copywriter for a very fancy business coach um super famous person and she was like you know kelsey you're already really good at writing you could very easily learn some copywriting like the science of copywriting and you would be great at this. So I just explored it. I took a ton of classes and it was like the cartoon light bulb went off over my head. Bing! This is what I want to do. And what I ended up doing was I built this freelance copywriting business from nothing. And within a year, I realized like, oh damn, like I, I've kind of, I've hit a ceiling income wise. I don't want to charge people like a thousand dollars an hour. That's crazy. I'm not going to do that, but I only have so much Mm -hmm. hours in the day. I'm feeling burnt out. Like, what do I do? And so I started to listen to the people that I was helping. And the story I heard over and over again was these women being like, I'm just not a good writer. So Like, I'm not good at this, or I hate feelings like I'm selling myself. It feels so gross. I don't like how I feel. And I started to think like, what if I could help people learn how to sell themselves without feeling that icky, salesy, gross feeling? Because nobody wants that on either side of it, nobody wants to be sold to, and nobody wants to feel salesy. So I was like, okay, how can I take my style of copywriting, which is very much grounded in what is the problem you are already solving for people who type in the question, how do I solve this problem into Google? And then your website is the answer. And when they read it, they're like, holy shit, this is who, this is exactly what I want. This is exactly who I already am looking for. Please take my money. Right? Like, that's in a nutshell how I work. Now, what I realized was that men, a lot of copywriters are men and like copywriters for businesses are men and they are very like, feature-driven. Like, you're going to get this, and you're going to get this, and here's all the 10X. And I was like, that feels gross. And then on the other side, there were these women being like, sorry to bother you, (laughs) right? But like, I thought maybe you might find this helpful. And it was like, we got to have this middle ground of like, hey, this might be helpful. It could help you 10X something, but you know here's a case study. You, you see if this is a fit for you. And if it is, let's talk. I can help you. right? So I started to be like, how do I teach people how to just come from that way of thinking when they show up in the world? Because I can't write copy for every single business out there, but I can teach business owners how to write their own high converting copy most of the time. I say it's like 80, 20 or 70, 30, like 70% of the time you should be writing your own copy, which most copywriters hate me for saying the other 30% hire a pro. If you've got a sales page or a launch, or you need, you know, a tune up on your email, welcome sequence, and you want a professional to help you. Great. Absolutely. Hire a pro I'm available, but 70% of the time, you should know how to talk about yourself. And it's not just about making money, it's about you feeling confident. It's about you knowing that when someone writes you and is like, hey, I see that you do contracts, like legal contracts for um, people in business and I need a contract, can you help me with this? You feel super confident being like, here's my value proposition, here's how I can help you, here's where to go next, and here's how to get on my email list if you're not ready to pull the trigger. That's amazing. And so, when you're going through that, you know, I know one of the things you've talked about a
1: lot is you have to know your story. Like, what have you achieved? What have you gone through? What are the pain points or ways that you can share that will help your target audience connect with you? It seems like sometimes women have a difficulty pulling those things out because you're not really sitting around. Thinking about all that you've done or all that you've achieved, or all that you really have to offer somebody else, how do you help um, your clients kind of bring those to the surface?
0: Mmm, great question. So one place that I suggest people start is, if you're really having a hard time with this, look at competitors that you admire who already have a business online, a brand online, and look at their reviews, look at their comments section, and you can start to see the positive reactions that people have had by working with that type of professional. So let's say, we'll just stick with copywriting. Let's say you're a new copywriter and you don't really know how to position yourself as a personal brand you could go to other copywriters that you admire and read the testimonials and say, you know, Susie Sunshine really helped me with my launch. I was feeling overwhelmed. It was so nice to be able to work with somebody who knew how to guide me through writing launch emails. We wrote them, I scheduled them and I never had to think about it again. That review gives you a clue as to a way that you can talk about yourself a way that you can position yourself as a, as a helper for someone who has this problem. The next tip I would give is think about why you yourself got into the business that you have. Why did you, we'll just stick with this example, why did you become a copywriter? Probably because you really enjoy communicating, you really enjoy connecting and people who don't enjoy writing probably feel disconnected. So how can you, how can you use the reasons that you learned the thing to position yourself as an expert? Um, another place that you can think about looking is, you know, if you were going to give a Ted talk, if you were going to create a freebie, if you were going to make something that was like a boiled down version of how you help people. How would, like, what are the three to five bullet points that you would want to include? Um, Do you have any awards? Do you have any particularly um, things that you're particularly proud of that you've made? Any case studies? Um, If you're new to business, do you have any, um, like types of people you're really excited to work with. There's so many places that you can start to look for, okay, what is the value I'm bringing? To whom am I bringing that value? What is the question they are typing into Google to find me? And what are they so excited to learn that I provide? That's
1: excellent. And I think, you know, if I circle those back around, I mean, one, I think there can be a lot of people listening right now that are thinking about, you know, I want to you know, do what you guys did. I want to leave one profession and move into another profession, or I want to build up a digital brand. I do have something to offer. Um, You know, I think people need to start working through all these points, including going back to your early part about really diving into your own heart, your own soul, figuring out what your goals for life are to see what avenue, to which path you want to go, because there are so many paths available to us. I I just really want people to listen to that, take that in. There are so many paths available. Whatever path you are on, if it's not bringing you joy, if it's not bringing you happiness, there is an alternative. Before you just jump, because what I see a lot of people doing is they'll just jump jobs, right? They'll just transition. They'll just go to something else um, within the same sphere, But in reality, there are so many other opportunities that you can be looking at if you're not afraid, if you think, you know, if you really work towards what you want to do and what your goals are and what brings you joy. And then looking into these areas, it can be really important for personal branding. I always tell people that whether you're in a small company, a large company, whether you're in corporate entrepreneurship, Even in teaching and administration, all of these things, your personal brand is so important. It's when you say the name, Crystal Ware, what do people think about? What does it conjure within you? Who is Crystal Ware? What is she going to bring when we have a conversation? What is she going to bring to a project? What is she going to bring to a job? Those things are important no matter where you are. I think oftentimes people think, well, I don't want to be an influencer. I don't want to write a book. I don't want to start a blog. So why does it matter? It really does matter. And you should take a few minutes to think about what are these adjectives? I th- that that exercise was so great. What are the adjectives that other people are going to share with, and do they align with who I want people to see me as and who I really am? Because when you go in and you have your annual review with your boss, and you want to ask for more than your two to three percent, and you want to say I'm worth five to ten percent, here is why: even if you have the achievements on paper, if your personal brand is the gossiper or something else that maybe brings a negative connotation right up front, your achievements are going to get watered down by your personal brand. So you want to make sure it's in alignment. So I think this is so important to all people in all industries, no matter what you're doing. I just want to really hone in on that (laughs) because it it really is. I mean, what we're doing, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, Kelsey, and this is something I've only recently realized is like, we should be talking about this with people in high school, in college, no matter yes. what your technical skill is. If you have a little bit of ability with marketing, PR and sales, you are going to be unstoppable in whatever industry, including like as an actor, right? You When you go in, you have to sell you. You have to sell your performance right. and your ability. <laughs> Why do you think people, why do you think, as a, I guess, as a, I don't know, a community, a culture, a country, whatever you want to say, why aren't we talking about this more, especially now in the digital age of marketing, PR, and sales? Oh,
0: I have a, I have a really hippie woo woo answer. Okay. To that. Okay. <laughs> um, because control equals safety. Mm-hmm. And, Um, giving someone a prescription for success feels safer, meaning that's, you know, business etiquette, um, go like how to apply for law school, law school, medical school, Mm -hmm. um, like become a CPA, whatever it is. That is a prescribed track that if you follow steps a through Z, you will then become the thing. It is much more vulnerable to say, let's figure out who you are before we decide what career you're going to have so that you as a personality will fit the job that you end up doing so that you don't get burnt out so that you understand the unique value that you bring, right? It is so much harder It's so much harder to really sit with someone and be like, let's talk about how many hours a week ideally you think you should be working. Let's talk about, are you more of a creative or are you more of an, like, uh, to execute tasks, which brings you more joy, which makes you feel more comfort. We absolutely have lots of people and jobs in the world that need that more like execute, Mm -hmm. um, mentality. Great. Those people should be in those jobs, putting those people in a super creative job, they're not going to thrive and putting super creative people in a execute type of job, they're not going to thrive. But it's much harder for the person being evaluated as well as the people trying to help them to honestly like do the self work and the exploration. To understand who we are at our core first. It's it's scary. It's vulnerable.
1: It really is. And it, it, it's, it's probably what I lead with when I talk to people, especially young professionals and or students. I mean, I was just sitting at one of my kids' baseball games and somebody else said, you know, one of my kids is thinking about going to law school. Maybe you could talk to him sometime. And I'm always quick to say I will talk to them. If you want me to tell them to go to law school, I'm not going to do that because it has been super useful to me. I use my law degree in so many ways, but I didn't go to law school with this idea that I was going to be making the donuts or I was going to be a partner at a law firm. I went to law school with the idea that I wanted to help people. And I feel like in every step of my career, I have been able to leverage that and help people. But depending on what your background is or what your true goals are. You're in the game. Law school may not be for you and it's three years. It's expensive and it that's a huge opportunity cost. You can be leaning into what you really want to achieve in life and making money at the same time instead of going to law school. I mean, most people, I worked some in law school. A lot of people don't because it's so intense. Um, so yeah, I mean, what you're saying is absolutely correct. And I wish... I mean, I know for a fact, um, guidance counselor in high school and college and to a lesser degree, but still would put it in the same category in law school, I wanted these kind of questions. These are not the kind of questions that people ask. And then when I got into the working world and the corporate world, I thought these are the kind of things that HR did. No, HR is not really (laughs) helping you to develop the career path that is going to align with your person. They are there to shepherd in the rules and execute the roles, how they are supposed to be done.
0: (laughs) And yeah, like you are there to complete someone else's task. Yeah. Yeah you've been hired for a job and anything outside of that job is not usually encouraged. And I also would like to mention that what I wish for young people is that we would normalize changing careers more than once. Because I, if like, I thought when I was 18, I thought that I wanted to be a journalist, like a talking head on the news. And then it like, Change to being an actor. And I did that and I stuck with it for way longer than I probably should have because I thought, Oh, I've already spent so much time and money and effort, um, like trying to be an actor. So if I quit, then that means I fail. Or if I switch careers, then that means I failed at this thing that I said that I wanted. Oh my gosh. I cannot tell you how many, interesting people who are making multiple six figures a year if that's what's important to you who have built incredible products and lives for themselves are on like their third or fourth career the because they understand that that actually is helpful like not keeping yourself stuck in something that isn't quote unquote doing it for you is not helpful. It's a it's a sunk cost. You got to move on and go to the next thing that actually lights you up, because otherwise you're just killing time. Yeah, it's it's the non linear
1: career, and you pick up a lot of skills along the way. Another place that I think that women, you know, um, hold themselves back in this train of thought is the translatable, transferable skills. We pick up stuff in everything that we're doing and 90% of it can be translated and transferred. Sometimes you may need help with somebody uh, that can think outside the box and look at it on paper and say, how is this going to work in this new industry or this new career? But nine times out of 10, I believe it is so doable and it's brave to change careers. It's brave to stand up and say... I'm not happy in this. That's okay. The pivot is the most important thing. It's not, it's knowing when to give up. Like, if you, are you going to keep sinking costs into a crumbling ship or are you going to build a new ship? And, you know, when we talk about analogies, what I heard you say just now is we need to try a lot of ice cream, right? Sometimes we go in and we want to yeah. try five different flavors before we decide on the one. Why should anybody feel bad or feel ashamed for trying their hand at different industries?
0: You do not know what it is really like until you are there. So, totally. And this goes back to the earlier point of women being taught from a very early age to be wanted versus listening to what they want, mm-hmm. right? Like, we think, oh, I need to be the tastiest ice cream so that somebody chooses me versus. I'm the one in control and I'm going to try other flavors until I get the one that feels the most me. Like, ooh, like it's so, it's so, um, baked into us. And like, even now, even after years of therapy, even after all of this, like, I know I sound really Zen and cool and whatever right now, but like, I, I still feel so selfish sometimes when someone's like, wait, you only work 30 hours a week, like you take Fridays off, you, um, like you just schedule travel. Like, aren't you worried? Aren't you worried about your business or like, oh, wow. Like good for you with, you know, a tone again, nice versus kind. And it's, (laughs) it's, it feels wrong in your body and like to pretend otherwise, Is a fool's game. Like you won't actually do it if you don't acknowledge like I'm going to feel selfish and I'm going to do it anyway.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you have to, if, if you don't know what works for you and don't want to own it, live it, you're never going to be as happy as you otherwise could be. And when you look around and say other people are doing this, maybe I should be doing that too. No, no, because everybody is different. And the one thing that I've realized on this journey and this path is that it is scary. You are doing something slightly against the grain, even though we're seeing it more and more. If safety and comfort is important to you, working at a corporate job is fine. I don't judge that at all. There are so many amazing things that I learned and loved and met many people that I admire and look up to just so many great things. It's just that I decided I wanted a different lifestyle. I wanted a different path. I wanted more ownership in that what I was doing. And 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 I was willing to take the risk to achieve those things. If you're risk averse, then this is probably not a path for you either. We just have to think about what is going to work and fit with us. But once you realize that, and if it's different, what I want people to see and know and and be able to touch and feel. And that's why I love bringing guests like you on. Is that leading and learning and working in an you know alternative type career environment can be done. You just have to believe in yourself. Know that the skills are within you. Know that you have inherent value. Know that you bring something to other people's lives and work within that. I mean, if you asked me ten years ago, Kelsey, I would not probably believe that you could make a life and career that you love as a copywriter for small mid-sized businesses um, and do that so successfully. I just didn't know that was available to anybody. I mean, if I knew when I was in sixth grade writing stories that I could write and self-publish, I probably would have done a better job of saving my little manuscripts. (laughs) So all of these things are new and evolving (laughs) and we just have to look at what we love doing and we can find a way. And whether that's, you know, reaching out and talking with somebody like you, Kelsey, or in me and how I could... Guide people in career options and challenges and building um you know your income level to where you want it to be. There are people out there if you don't feel comfortable if you know that you want something more but you don't know how to get there. there are people out there that will help you that have been there before you don't have to do it alone and I think that is what is extra special um Kelsey, anything that is new or exciting coming up that we should be aware of all your um links and everything else will be out there. But is there anything particular that you would want to share with people?
0: Yes. You know, speaking about this conversation, you know, if there's anybody out there who's like, that sounds great, but sounds also very overwhelming, then I would love for you guys to check out my membership, which is called BYOB, stands for build your own business. And what we do together in this fantastic container of mostly women. We take one needle moving aspect of building your business every month and you get weekly content that is like bite-sized and extremely doable so that by the end of the month, you've completed that thing. And the reason that I do it this way is because of this exact feedback of what you're talking about, of people like really having the desire, but not knowing the how, like the actual practical things of okay, that sounds great. I would love to leave this career and build this new one, but like how? <laughs> That's what I love helping people do. So that is a new offering and it is at Kelseyforemost.com slash membership. We're now a couple of months in and it's just it's like maybe my favorite thing I've ever done it's more high touch. I get to talk to people. I get to hear their stories more and I get to help them more. I get to help in a more one-on-one capacity. So I would love for people to check that out. It's also very affordable because I know that it's hard at the beginning. It's hard, hard, hard at the beginning to really in- make those investments. So yeah, hang out with me on Instagram at Kelsey dot If you have any questions, you can DM me. Everything's on my website. Crystal said, my links are out there. I'm here to help. Well, this has been so incredible. I have just
1: so enjoyed and I would keep asking you a questions after questions of questions, <laughs> but everybody has lives, everybody has things to do. We want to keep this in an accessible format and time format. I want to say thank you so much for joining us and just being so open and transparent and just authentically you. I mean, your vibe is so different than my vibe. I'm like very hardcore and you are very like warm and, fe- you know, fuzzy. <laughs> and I love that. I mean, it just is like such a good mix to me. Uh, and that's why it's, You know, very comfortable for people to work with somebody like Kelsey um, because she just wraps you in and pulls you in and shares who she is. And (laughs) that is why I think you are so successful. And I love everything that you're doing and that I'm just so thankful to have had you on. So... Oh, thank you, Crystal. This was great. It's amazing. I will drop the links in, everybody. Know that whatever your dreams are, whatever your goals are, even if you aren't clear on them... They are doable and possible. You need to spend a little time investing in you, investing in what you want and who you are, and you can get there. You are made for more. So start acting like it and living like it today. Until next time, we will see you later. Thanks for listening in. If you loved what you heard, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with your friends. Tag us on social media so we can give you a big shout out. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want more, head on over to the website where you can learn all about what we do to serve and support our entire community. Until next time, keep dreaming big and getting clear. You are made for more. So start living like it today.